From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Medical Director for the Center for the Advancement of Youth at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Ever feel like your brain is just not working? You might be having problems with your executive function. Sounds important? It is. Executive function helps you plan, organize, pay attention, and even maintain relationships. Stay tuned today and we'll talk about how you can make the executive functioning part of your brain work better. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. And now, Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. And thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about executive function. So do you ever feel like your brain just doesn't work like you think it should? You might be having problems with your executive function. A lot of people do, and there are many reasons for this. It is important. Executive function helps you plan, organize, pay attention, and even maintain relationships. So today we'll talk about how you can make the executive functioning part of your brain work a little bit better and maybe understand better what it is. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about a little more about what executive function is and where it is in your brain. And then you'll go, well, I thought that was attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, and the truth is, is there is a lot of ADHD um, that is caused by poor executive functioning. But there are other reasons for loss of executive functioning. It can be uh, dementia. It can be thyroid problems. It can be nutritional issues. It can be learning disabilities that also help with the processing through issues. So executive function is the set of mental skills that help you get things done. So if your executive functioning is not working well, you may spend a whole day sort of spinning your wheels, so to speak, that you just can't seem to get it pulled together. You can't organize. So it helps you. What executive function does is it helps you manage time, pay attention, Switch focus, which means you focus on something, but you're able to move to focus on something else when you really need to. It helps you plan and organize and and remember details. It's kind of like the um, 
when you go away from a conversation with an individual and you talk to them for 30 minutes yet have no idea what their name was, part of that's executive function. Um, Multitasking is also a piece of it. And um, the other really important part, I think, of executive function that keeps us socially um, appropriate and socially aware and many times safe is executive functioning helps us avoid saying or doing the wrong things. So there are individuals who um, continually get into trouble because of their impulsive act, their poor planning behavior, their inability to stop and think the consequences of what may happen. So all of these are parts of your executive function and um This is all based in the front part of the brain, the frontal lobes, and and more specifically, we've talked about this before in this show, in the prefrontal, the frontal, and the prefrontal cortex. That's the, the really thinking part of the brain, and that's where many times attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, uh, poor functioning happens. So, and that's why uh, many times, um, in addition to behavioral therapy, medication is needed when you have um, problems with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You have problems with executive function, and many times those individuals with difficulties with executive function, functioning, get into trouble. Um, it's not just that they have poor achievement, but they they also um, are more likely to have accidents, more likely to have injuries, more likely to have tickets, um, and many times more likely to engage in, in violence or aggressive acts because they don't stop and think of the consequences. Not all, but some. So... Um, if you think you're having trouble with this or you know someone who does or you have some thoughts about what we should be doing about it, you can certainly give us a call. Join the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Well, let's talk um, a little bit more about the types of executive function. And and tell me if you think you have difficulty with this. So many times, you know, as we, we talk about this, it it's more planted discussions and worries around executive function um, circulate around school, school times. But if you think about it, if you're a homemaker and you have difficulty with executive function, you can have big trouble. The same thing goes is if you're um, trying to be a manager in a job and things don't work well for you, um, you can have trouble with that. If you are um, someone who has to take direction um, from a manager and you you can't process through what you're supposed to be doing and have difficulty, obviously, you can have trouble then, and, and certainly in schools. But just being able to be independent, 
um, can cause issues. And then think also about maintaining relationships. If you're one who is not processing through and is very impulsive about your relationships, um, certainly you can buy a lot of trouble from that in a relationship when you don't think about the consequences of saying something or not being able to work through getting something done. So executive function, as far as day-to-day living, is one of the most important functions that you can have. So we have Sue in Beaumont who's going to join the conversation. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for calling. I would like to comment that uh, the symptoms you're describing sound like... um, or the characteristics you're describing sound like what used to be called Asperger's syndrome. Well, individuals with Asperger's do certainly have some problems often with executive function um, because they you're you're exactly right the the maintaining relationships and being able to switch focus and all of that you're you're correct it, it's a big part of what we used to call Asperger's now we call high functioning autism uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Sue brings up a good point. I I mentioned some of the the causes or reasons for um, uh, that that present with significant executive functioning difficulties. Um, I I failed to bring up autism spectrum disorder, but that's exactly um, one of the issues that individuals have. So it's the whole spectrum. Um, Almost all individuals with ASD have problems with executive function. Well, before we go to our first break, let's go to the next phone line. Um, We have Elizabeth in Natchez. Good morning, Elizabeth. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? And thanks for doing what you do on Southern Radio. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I um, called in because I I was never diagnosed as ADHD as a child. But Mm -hmm. after I lost my partner of 30 years, it seems like I became very non-functional. And um, in talking to a therapist, I went through an assessment. And he diagnosed me as ADHD, heavily ADHD. And I went on medication, and um, it has very much helped. But it was interesting to me that he said the vast majority of people that he deals with with ADHD are adults who have gone through 20 or 30 years of life and, and dealt with the kinds of struggles exactly that you were talking about in a job, in school, and so forth. And so I thought it um, was interesting that this topic happened today because I have some friends who have um, children who are ADHD, and their doctors tend to want to get them off their ADHD medication before they go to college, and that seems highly counterproductive to me. <laughs> it does sound counterintuitive, doesn't it? It really oh. does. In fact, I have a friend whose son did that and went off to college and within a couple of weeks called and said, I really think I need my medicine, mm-hmm. and he did. And mm-hmm. and honestly, my 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 person that prescribed for me said, I it's unlikely that I would ever really go off the medication because what causes ADHD is not something that you're going to fix or it's going to go away. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, you've brought up several excellent parts that we we can discuss right now. First of all, um, you brought something up that flashed into my mind when you said after you lost your partner, and I'm sorry for your loss. I know that's so very 
difficult. Um, And so another piece that can cause uh, problems with executive function is depression. So um, if you are depressed, then obviously it's going to be hard to process through issues. So that would be one issue that it sounds like your provider um, worked through that and um, was able to come up with the fact that perhaps your partner was supporting you in your ADHD and helping you organize and process through. Do you think that was going on and maybe why you were able to make it through? Um, That is very possible. And I also think that unknowingly I had probably developed strategies over time sure. to, to manage and that at, when, when that happened, when I was suddenly at such a loss, I think those just kind of all fell apart. <laughs> and so I ended up really right. just, you know, just really kind of, kind of finding it difficult to even sit down and do any work whatsoever. Right. And, um, and yeah, so that, that was really important to me to get that diagnosis. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, um, you brought up another point. Um, many, yes, I think a lot, there used to be some fairly bad misinformation out there saying that as you turned into an older adolescence, medications work differently than they do for young people. That's complete misinformation. The truth is that some individuals with milder ADHD do outgrow it. And so by the time an individual, women um, around 16 or 17 with mild issues, sometimes really do learn strategies and behaviors that make you able to not need medication anymore. But it also, we also find that that's about a third of the population. Boys outgrow ADHD later than girls. So many times men until they're 25 and and even there's some information out there now, new research saying 28 uh, before men um, completely have complete maturation of their oh. <laughs> their prefrontal and their frontal cortex, and um, <laughs> I hear you laughing. <laughs> and I see Jay with his eyebrows raised in the booth, um, but really there is research that backs that. So what that means is you may continue to need medication for a while and outgrow it, but about a third of individuals outgrow the need about a third stay about the same so they don't get worse they don't get um, better about a third really need um, to stay on their medication essentially all of their lives Um, now you mentioned learning some strategies sometimes helps a whole lot it can make um, do you want to mention a couple of those strategies well honestly I think I did it all intuitively and Mm -hmm. didn't really, you know, think through what strategies would help me. I think now that I'm on medication, one of the things I know is that I have a little tendency to live in chaos, Uh very, you know, messiness around me. And I know that that makes me even more distractible and impulsive. And so um, I'm working on that. I've just moved to a new home. And so I am working on setting that up to help me be successful um, yeah. with fewer, fewer distractions around me and less chaos. 
Right, right. <laughs> really, organization is one of the best things you can do, but one of the hardest things to do when you have trouble with executive function. Yes. So sometimes getting someone who, one of your friends who is highly organized, who can come in and kind of help you set up the organization, um, list List making is another good one so that you can have your priorities, Um, you know, with all our smart devices, having reminders set up um, and all of those can can be a bit of help. So I I agree. And I think that the tools are there. mm -hmm. It's a matter of using them. It's easier to make a list. Than it is to keep it handy and refine. <laughs> That's <all>. right. <laughs> you still have to remember to use the tool. So, oh, Elizabeth, well, thank you for your call. And I bet there's several other people out there who, who have encountered difficulties such as that. So we'll go to our our first break, and when we get back, let's talk more about what executive function is. I'd love to hear from you about maybe your issues, your thoughts about what what you what could be causing your problems with executive function. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at MPB online.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about executive function, the front part of your brain, the frontal lobes, the prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain that helps you plan, organize, um, think through something before you do it, think about the consequences, um, pay attention to what you're doing, and how that can affect your life if, if you don't have proper functioning, and maybe what you can do about it to help. Now, we've talked a little bit about the different types of disorders that can cause problems with executive function, such as ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, learning disabilities, mood disorders, depression, stress in your life can interfere with executive function too. So there are many, many reasons out there that you might have difficulty. So if you have difficulty, one, you have to recognize it. And two, then you have to decide what to do, how to help yourself. What can you do? So there are two main categories in executive function, and you might have already figured that out. Um, Organization is one of them, gathering information and then structuring it for use. Um, How how are you going to use that information that you've gathered? And then regulation is the second one. So I've already talked a little bit about impulsive behavior and such. So regulation is taking stock of what's around you and changing your behavior to respond appropriately. 
So those are the two big categories of what executive function is divided into. And so then we've talked about the what problems can cause it, um, but let's let's talk about sort of um, issues of how some of the warning signs of having problems with executive function. So, do you have problems? And this can be in your child, in your in your spouse, or in your parents, because again, um, early onset dementia, um, Alzheimer's, certainly those are issues that can come up. So whether these are with your significant other, your child, or your parents, these are some of the warning signs. Planning projects, not being able to to plan a project and work through it. Um, reasoning how long a project might take. Um, and so you might come up with planning to do a project and saying you're going to complete it in a day. And when in reality, if you do the project right, it's really going to take a week and not being able to process through that. Telling stories. Here's another one. When, you know, someone starts a story. Now, there's some people who can tell a story very concisely. There's some people who um, have to have five paragraphs to the story. Uh, If they eventually get to the end, um, but it seems like there are all these tangential thoughts that go off on this. So, So many times that's part of executive function, not being able to to pull it together. Memorizing is another big issue. Not being able to remember a phone number that somebody throws out at you or um, not not being able to remember some lines for something that you're trying to remember. Difficulty starting task and also switching task. We talked about that. Not just not just sustaining focus, um, starting something and sustaining on it, but also the switching ability. Um, so those are all uh, some signs and symptoms of uh, possible problems with executive function, and. Um, Obviously, uh, individuals with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder pretty much have trouble with with all of these and learn some strategies, as one of our early callers, Elizabeth, said, um, to on how to better work with this. So if you have any questions about any of these or just comments or your own story, um, please give us a call and join the conversation. We'd love to hear hear from you about maybe how you were diagnosed or maybe if you think you should go for a diagnosis or um, what your suggestions are with or without medication. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Well, let's talk about um, some strategies to overcome some of, of these cognitive difficulties, how to kind of make that 
brain work better. And there are some things that you can do besides list making. We've talked about a couple of them. List making um, may be helpful, having alarms. Um, We discussed the having things organized as best you can. So here, here are a couple of things that help you think better. Now, some people believe that some background noise is good. Now, that would be white noise, soft music, um, wave sounds, rain sounds, any of those soft or white noises. Sometimes that helps people through a calming. But one thing that you need to do is sort of maximize the signal-to-noise ratio. Let me tell you what that means. That means that if you're trying to make your brain click in and concentrate on something, you have to have the noise ratio way down. So the message that you want to communicate to your brain has to be able to um, have enough quiet, and and enough signal to be able to uh, communicate that to your brain to make everything work. So if there's a lot of extraneous stuff coming in, it's not going to work. So don't think uh, that it's abnormal and that your executive function is all awry if you're working in an office situation where there's a lot of uh, noise from chatter from other people, or if someone has a radio playing loudly, or if there's a television on in uh, somewhere else. That um, extraneous information, whether or not you know it, it's trying to creep into your brain, and it's going to detract your ability to really concentrate. So remove unnecessary um, distraction as best you can. And I think what what has been found in office situations where there are um, work carols, you know, office space gets less and less. And so when people are working in carols, you'll notice that um, many times individuals will have white noise machines to try to distract them from the Um, extraneous conversations that are going on, or um, people are trying to go to smaller closed offices and less carol work because it's so difficult uh, to really concentrate. Many people use earphones to try to damp out noise cancellation earphones sometimes can work. So whatever you can do to help, we actually use noise cancellation earphones in classrooms for children with ADHD or or other learning difficulties and who are so distracted um, or cannot process when there's any kind of other noise going on. There's a disorder called auditory processing disorder, and individuals who have the processing disorder, what that is, is when speech comes in and it takes a little more time to process through and decipher those words or decode those words as to what they mean. So many times we will use noise cancellation um, 
earphones, and then the teacher has a direct feed to that child. So all that that child hears is the teacher's voice so that they're not distracted by that extraneous stimuli. And I know I'm spending a lot of time on this signal-to-noise ratio, but it's really important. Um, So think hard about working on that, um, eliminating those distractions before you think something's terribly wrong or perhaps that you need medication. Um, Many times that can help more than anything else. Um, So let's, we'll stop there and go back to the phones. We have Sarah on the Gulf Coast. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Thank you so much for this program. Um, My big question is, is this congenital and is it hereditary? Does it run in families? Oh, those are really good questions, Sarah. Thanks. Um, All right. Well, let me uh, Is this congenital? Well, you can be born with problems with executive function. And there are some individuals who, um, if you're congenital, that means you're born with it. It doesn't necessarily mean hereditary. So let me talk about the congenital aspect first. If you are born with it, it might be that um, during pregnancy, your mother um, drank alcohol or um, smoked uh, tobacco, um, and, and typically that's more than a half pack a day. I know some women smoked small amounts during pregnancy, but the research shows that if it wasn't over a half pack of cigarettes a day, it probably did not have a significant effect. Um, Alcohol, the same. Um, Tiny amounts, though we recommend none during pregnancy. But both of those can significantly affect executive function. There's research ongoing on other drugs Um, illicit drugs and even prescription drugs that can perhaps cause uh, problems uh, with executive function. So that that basically means that the the brain wiring is a little bit different from the very start. Now, there are some hereditary causes. ADHD is genetically based, it appears. Now, we know nurture and nature play a part. So if you grow up with a parent who has ADHD and is not organized and has difficulty um, with impulse control and that kind of thing, your surroundings may play a part. But there's pretty clear evidence that there's some genetic tendency. Um, so it, you know, nurture or nature, what is it? We do know nutritionally there's some things that can affect it if there are some deficiencies, although um, the research is still catchy, uh, sketchy, pardon me, on whether or not um, you, can, you can correct it well. So um, low levels of zinc, low levels of omega-3 fatty acids also can impair executive function. So there, there are certainly things that, it can, that can impair it. The good news is we know if we start very early and work on executive function early through um, trying to train pathways to do things better, those brain pathways we've talked about so 
many times, we can we can really make a difference and make some changes. So there's sometimes though, from a neurochemical standpoint, you still need medication. Um, but certainly, you want to try to work from a behavioral standpoint before you go to medication. So thanks for that call. It gave me an opportunity to talk a little bit about. Um, Uh, how it comes about in the first place. So we'll take our second break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how maybe you can measure executive function and then what you can do about it. We have plenty of time, though, for calls, so please call in and tell us your story or ask us your questions. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we're talking about executive function what that prefrontal cortex, that front part of your brain is doing and it, whether it's helping you out, um, planning, um, thinking through a project, organizing things, paying attention to what you're doing, um, and what you need to do if you're having difficulty with that. You know, experts rely on different tests to measure the specific skills related to executive function, but None of the tests tell you exactly how well you're going to do in day-to-day life. They, you know, some of the tests are puzzle-solving skills on IQ tests. They'll, they'll look, that executive function piece often is um, how quickly you can solve puzzles, whether you can um, repeat numbers forward and backwards and the like. Um, There are ways to test, and if you have concerns about that and really want to be tested, you can by um, a licensed psychologist. Um, But again, um, a lot of it is measured by how you're doing in day-to-day life and whether or not your functioning is is in the right place in day-to-day life. If you're not ha- having impairment each day, then you're probably fine. But if you're finding that you're having difficulties every single day with organizing and processing through a problem, then you probably do need to ask someone for help. Well, let's go on back to the phones. We have um, James, who's a truck driver, driving through the state. Hi, James. Hello. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for calling. Good. Uh, no, I just had a comment. You know, uh, I was diagnosed ADD when I was a young child, and they put me on Ritalin, and it just messed me up all the way around. Hmm. Uh, it messed my metabolism up, and I'm just 
I'm dead set against some of the medicines that they're using because there's there's some not enough research goes into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, James, first of all, um, I'm so sorry that that your medication treatment did not help you. It's supposed to only help. Now, I will tell you that. Um, Ritalin, methylphenidate, is probably one of the most widely studied medicines ever. So it it is definitely widely studied. We know all the side effects. We know long-term effects. Um, so I would suspect, now, does it work on everybody? No. Is it the right medicine for everybody? Absolutely not. And so I... I believe um, that we are much better than we were 30 years ago in making the diagnosis. Anybody who thinks that you can diagnose ADHD from a checklist or from a history alone um, without really making sure you're ruling out other causes is just wrong. Um, I've said this a million times, ADHD is a diagnosis of exclusions. So um, did it help you in any way, or did it just make you feel terrible and change your personality? It it changed my personality and Uh just made me feel terrible. Yeah. I'm in my late 50s now, you know, so we're going back. uh, you know, in the the early 60s, late 60s, 70s. right. And uh, I and on the other hand, you know, uh, I have a compulsive. My wife uh, tells me that I'm very compulsive. I can't stand. I can't stand for things to be out of order. Mm. Uh, and and I, I think I got that from my father because my father was the same way. Uh-huh. Um, everything has. You know, if if his house is dirty, clean it. If things don't need to be done, don't put it off. Do it. Yeah. So uh, James. You know what? I would just from this these few seconds, and obviously don't take this as a real diagnosis, but um, many individuals who appear to have ADHD instead have what falls under the umbrella of anxiety disorders. So obsessive compulsive disorder and the like uh, disorders such as that fall under it. So often stimulants um, like Ritalin, like methylphenidates, can inadvertently make those behaviors worse um, and increase anxiety and increase the the need to have everything perfect. So it sounds like maybe you were diagnosed incorrectly. Um, and, and I'm sorry for that because being on a medication that is not helping and only making you feel bad is obviously the wrong way to do. do. Um, so... Anybody out there who's listening, if you're on a medication and it's making you feel bad or making your child feel bad or changing their personality and not doing what it's intended to do, then it needs to be stopped. And if your provider won't listen, you need to go to someone who will Um, because these medications the treatment um, with medication should not be taken lightly. And um, there, I hear this all the time, and it just makes me so sad that children were maintained on medication that were that were not helping them. 
and that were, in fact, causing negative effects. So, um, James, you sound like you've worked through it. I hope all is well for you now. Yes, ma'am, I sure have, and I thank you for your show. And uh, I just stumbled across you by accident. I've been (laughs) listening for the last 85 miles so oh good well thank you and i hope when you're driving through the state again you'll listen again it's a delight having you thank you okay be safe all right let's stay on the phones we'll go to kathy and mobile good morning kathy thanks for calling good morning thank you i'm going to say two things one real quick i uh deliver meals on wheels in mobile on tuesdays and i came across your program and I, I listen to it religiously every Tuesday. Oh wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. One thing, um auditory processing. Yes. My daughter has that. She uh is now twenty eight, so it's ten years ago and we stumbled on it by accident. I want I want to mention this to your listeners. Sure. Um she was in the third grade before we realized she had a hearing problem. And it was just one of these things that um I picked up on. She said, Mom, I gotta redo my homework I thought Miss Livingston said to do this, and she really said to do this. And I talked to the teacher and said, is she too social in class? And no, no, she sits right up front and just stares at me all the time. We stumbled upon a, a doctor who was so fortunate, mm-hmm. uh, and she realized that she had an auditory processing problem. And they didn't think she did because she did so well in school. She uh-huh. wasn't a problem, and they said many of these children are problems because they don't hear the instructions, so they just kind of act out and, and they don't excel or anything. Uh, so for parents to be careful and make sure that the children are hearing the instructions and all. And we went through, two, we did two things. I was fortunate. We lived in Birmingham in Homewood School System, and a doctor was doing some research there, and he at this time put speakers in her classroom, and my teacher where Rebecca could hear uh-huh. the instructions louder. And at first I thought the teacher was just going to kill me for doing this. But she actually loved it. She said it saved her voice. And she said that it was amazing how many of the other children it also helped. Improved. So you kind of wonder if there are other children that have this hearing problem too that is never diagnosed. Right. Uh, and, and again, this was 10 years ago. And I, I heard you say now they have little headphones with the teacher's mic on it. But it really would did not hurt that a lot of the other children who were not diagnosed either got to hear louder <laughs> yeah. instructions and clearer That's instructions. A, yeah, um, Kathy, great point. And yeah. um, and as we're talking about this, um, whenever a child is having any difficulty in school, the very first the first two things that we recommend are vision check. And hearing check. And um, with a hearing, uh, in an older child, certainly uh, a well-trained person who can use an audiometer is fine. But in younger kids, hearing tests are difficult and you really need an audiologist, a professional to do that hearing test if you have any questions, any language issues, any articulation issues, any attentional issues, and you're not certain. So you make a, a great point. So just for our listeners, Kathy, I know you know this, um, hearing loss is not always the same thing as auditory processing. But individuals who have undiscovered hearing loss, often once the hearing loss is corrected in whatever way, 
they continue to have auditory processing problems because their ability to auditorily process was impaired because they weren't hearing well. So the pathway isn't well developed. Um, And so um, both of those are very, very important. Auditory processing is one of those diagnoses that does take a professional to make the diagnosis. And so um, often it is missed and often it's called just plain old ADHD. And so um, you can have both, but you need to make sure that the child is evaluated for that. So, Kathy, thank you for your call. That was really helpful, I think, to, to help us talk through that. And thanks for calling and listening. And that Meals on Wheels, by the way, thank you for that service. That is such a wonderful service. Um, Jay, do we need to go to a break? or No, I think we're going to stay on the phone so I can talk to Bruce, who is on the driving on the highway. I hope you're being safe. Hands-free, Bruce. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> thank you for your program. I've, I've always enjoyed it. Thanks. Um, first of all, I want to back to Elizabeth in Natchez and Natchez and just say what I heard uh, from her was a, a very intelligent and brave uh, lady. And um, as so many of the people who call into your program right. are, um, it, it, you provide a tremendous service uh, to the state Thank you. and to the world. Yeah. And my quick question is, to what extent do you think um, psychotherapy uh, can help people? with executive disorder function. And um, I've, I've saw it a couple of times over my lifetime, and it really was tremendously helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily for those things, but those things did seem to improve uh, as I pursued the, the course of the therapy. So I'm just going to let you uh, talk about that. I, you touched on it a minute ago yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. Bruce, right. that's... Thank you for calling and for your question. There's um, actually, it's a, a very good question. So, psychotherapy alone, um, and if we're when we talk about psychotherapy, there are several different pieces of psychotherapy or types. Um, probably the two that are most used now in the adult population and are probably most helpful for executive function, I'll tell you why in a minute, are cognitive behavioral therapy um, and and uh, mindfulness therapy. So, so both of those um, work toward helping you work through any any problems, any difficulties that may be distracting you. Cognitive behavioral therapy helps you process um, issues that are ongoing and helps you problem solve yourself. So, see. Uh, CBT alone is one of those therapy types that that really is it helps you think through issues. It teaches you not to be distracted by these extraneous um, thoughts that keep bothering you. And and mindfulness therapy also teaches you to center in the moment. 
um, not to try to delete thoughts that are incoming, but to resolve and teach yourself how to stay in the moment and, and to let go of those other issues that are bothering you. And so um, both of those can help you recenter, not to be distracted by the other things that are bothering you or to learn how to process through and deal with those. And and like Bruce said, I did touch a little bit earlier on uh, the fact that that oftentimes depression, um, for which we use cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, um, is one of those issues that can definitely cause problems with executive function because you you feel so low about what's going on. And often CBT alone without medication can help enough so that you can figure out how to turn yourself around as as does um, mindfulness therapy. I think they're both uh, great forms of therapy and, and often can be very useful. And at the same time, um, it's really important also, though, to start activities are our tasks that maybe will help you through improving your executive function. So, Bruce, I, I appreciate you calling. Um, that was a good reminder for me to let people know that sometimes therapy can be, be very helpful. Now, let's also talk just um, for a moment about medication may be necessary. Now I mentioned some of the ADHD medications may be necessary. If you're depressed, it may be that you need an antidepressant. Um, If you are an individual who believes they're struggling with executive function um, or depression or anxiety, it's always most important to get a good physical exam to make sure that that all of your body functionings are working together. I think people try often to separate the brain um, out as a whole different entity. It's like they kind of chop you off at the deck and what happens below happens below and what happens above happens above. It's all together. The brain and all your other organs work together. Um, And your brain can affect all of your other organs. Your other organs sometimes of functioning can affect your brain. And I've mentioned a few of those, but let me just expand on it. Blood sugar being out of line, high blood pressure being out of line, um, thyroid, I've already mentioned, um, can cause issues. Your adrenal glands, your kidney function. So tr- stop separating out mood and, and brain from the rest of your body. They all need to be treated as one, and we need to remember that. So get up, uh, get a good physical exam if you think you're having difficulty or if your child is or your parent or whoever that is. Make sure everything is checked out. And then once you know that, then um, work on the other. Or at the same time, you can work on some of those little tips on improving um, organizational skills. So to sit down and um, use tools like time organizers, make schedules, and try to stick 
to them. Ask for written directions if you need it to be written down instead of trying to always rely on your memory. Those are always very important. If you're one of those visual memory people, um, make sure that you have, if not something written, um, a chart for you to look at. All of those might help. Well, thanks so much. Our hour's over already again. Um, I really appreciate our callers and all our listeners. Um, and I want to thank everybody here. If you miss some of this that you want to listen to, you can listen to it on uh, mpbonline.org on our podcast. Today's show was engineered by my producer, Jay White. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned right now for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPV Think Radio.